0: amen good morning everybody i'm really 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 excited to be here this morning not only because i get to give the word and preach the word because i have a love for the word of god in my spirit and in my mind and my soul but i'm excited because i woke up this morning and i heard this word i was watching tv getting everybody together and I heard this word, and it was, it was talking about the blood, the blood of Jesus, and it was talking about the mercy seat. And it was talking about how God in his mercy keeps us and covers us. And I woke up with such a gratitude, thanking God, because through every trial, just like what we were singing today, through every victory, through every trial, God has never let go of me or my family. And no matter what's come against us, the hand of God remains. The hand of God is sovereign. The hand of God... God pushes us into the victories that we didn't even know existed. Amen? So I'm excited this morning because I have my family here with me. I'm excited this morning because I have my salvation intact. You know, me and my husband, we were talking about... We were talking yesterday and we were talking about how, you know, there are some preachers and some ministries that like to like throw out numbers when they talk. They like to talk about how many years they've been saved and how long they've been, you know, how many people come to their church and everything is about numbers, right? And so it it, it can be offensive, you know, borderline. I mean, if you're new to the church, you'd be like, well, what's so bad about that? But for those of us, you know, who are a little jaded in the Lord, you know, we just look at numbers and we're like, all right, all right, all right. But... What I told my husband was, I said, you know what number I'll always be proud of? At least this year I'll be proud of, the number 18. 18 because it's been 18 years since Jesus found me. It's been 18 years since I've been washed with the blood of Jesus. It's been 18 years since I've walked in the grace of Almighty God. It's been 18 years since I found my new life in Christ and maybe some of you this morning don't know what that new life in Christ is. Maybe there are some of you this morning that just don't believe, but that's okay because I'm not offended by your unbelief and believe me and be sure that God is not offended with your unbelief. Whether you know it or not, we all stood in a place here of unbelief at some point in our lives and in that point of unbelief, Jesus Christ himself by the spirit of the living God came and he met us and he drew us to the kingdom And he renewed our lives. So if you're here this morning and you're an unbeliever, that's okay. My prayer for you today is that you would begin your journey to believe. My prayer for you this morning is that even if you're struggling in your faith, that you would be convinced and full of courage knowing that you serve a Savior who loves you more than anyone in this entire lifetime could and will ever love you. In one moment, think about this, think about this. In one moment, Jesus can love you more. In one second, Jesus can love you more than everyone in your entire lifetime. In one, in one millisecond, in one, in, in one tiny moment. That's how great the love of God is for you, even if you're an unbeliever, even if you're struggling with your faith, even if you're a babe in Christ, wherever you find yourself today in your walk with God, know that he is holding you. Just like that song, God, I love that song, Hold Me Now. God, I love that song. I mean, that that wrecks me every time I hear. If that wrecks you, just say amen. Because that wrecks me, that song, because it's you hold me with the hands that form my world. That's deep. He holds me with the hands that form my world. And my world, when it was formed, believe me, most of you know my testimony in here, and I'll say it until Jesus cracks the sky and returns, but my testimony is not one of goodness or, you know, in the beginning, it wasn't a testimony of mercy. I was abandoned. I was sold from another country into this country. I was, I was adopted by a family partially who loved me, but then there was a side to that family that didn't really love me and abused me, and I went into foster care, and I got abandoned all over again. Like, who does that happen to, right? At least that's what I always think. Like, who really does that? Until you step into the foster care world, which I strongly encourage, if you know anybody that's In the foster care system, please remember to encourage them. Please remember to reach out. Please remember to tell them that they're loved each and every time you see them. But that was my world. That was my world. It was a world of rejection and abandonment, and it was a sorrowful, sorrowful world of loneliness. And, you know, Jesus met me there, and he turned everything around. I loved what Alice said this morning. I mean, that just... It it just resonated in my spirit. I was sitting there, and when she was talking about that Job moment, maybe you're going through a Job moment. In my walk with God in the past 18 years, I have not experienced that sort of devastation that I experienced before my conversion. I've certainly walked through some pretty heavy trials, and I have certainly had some intense, intense challenges that have deeply hurt me, but nothing like before my days with Jesus. And when she said, you know, about those Job moments, when you feel like you've just had everything stripped away from you. There is a God that loves us. And Jesus made himself known to me And that's why I can stand here. That's why in the morning I can be excited that I have my family intact, that I have five beautiful children, that I have a husband who loves me and is faithful, that we serve the Lord. Like it's possible, it is possible. Don't ever let anyone whisper those lies into your ear, whether they come from our culture or whether they come from a family member or a delusional friend. Don't ever let anyone tell you that you can't raise your children in the Lord and that they can't be raised to love Jesus and to honor God, especially in 2014 in the Bronx, okay? I love when we walk down the street and people are like, they, they look at my husband, and they're like, they're all yours? He's like, yeah, bro, they all mine. <laughs> yep, one baby daddy, that's it. That was all Jesus was like, you only got one. Which, please, let me, I am not, you know, trying to toot my own horn and I am not trying to offend anybody by saying that because we all have our own testimonies and how God has you know, restored us. And that's my story. And that's my testimony that even though I was stripped of a family, but God gave me five beautiful children and God gave me a faithful husband. When all the statistics are against you and all the statistics were against me, Jesus made sure that I would overcome those statistics to bring him glory in the earth, never to lift or bolster puff myself up and say, Oh, look what I've done. Look what I've been such a great wife and I've been such a great mother. No, I feel like, I'm failing every day of my life I cry at night sometimes because I say to myself am I doing the right thing am I good enough am, am I am I okay enough is my walk right enough to stand before you and preach the word am I am, am I living the right way I'm not here i anybody who knows me knows that I'm i do not get up here thinking that I know it all or think that I have the answers to everything I don't I don't but when Jesus moves through us and when Jesus makes himself known through our lives and through our testimonies and through our trials and through our victories, then he gets the glory. And all that he has done, all that he has done, all that's been done in my life has been by his hand. He holds my world. He holds your world in his hands. Amen? Sorry, that made my mouth dry. Amen. So I want to talk to you today. Actually, you know, before I forget, because Gary might get mad at me after if I don't say this, but Mark was sharing with you that we have our art show coming up next week. Um, And the Lord led me on a journey through art. Uh, It's got to be about four years ago. Um, I heard the Lord speak to me Um, during a conference. I was actually just visiting Sanctuary. I wasn't even, we weren't members here. Um, A friend of mine had invited me. And I saw this woman, and she was um, beautifully depicting um, her worship through canvas. And I remember there were two women, one here, one here. And I w- never saw something like that before, especially not in church. And it just, it gripped me. And I could hear the Lord say, worship me through art. Um, I sing, but, and I've always had an interest in visual art, but I've never been an artist or, you know, I never really wanted to be one. Uh, but. Long story short, God provided for the materials. I started just sitting with some worship music and a canvas, and I just started to worship God that way. Um, And it's just been such a blessing in my life, and I know in the lives of others, like Mark said, a lot of us who are going to be painting Alicia is here. She's also an amazing artist who God has blessed and given her such a talent um, to depict her love for Jesus on canvas. And it it has been a blessing, And, and we do We paint our dreams, and we paint visions, and what what God speaks to us, what we can't put in our words, God gives us the ability to put it on canvas. And there are going to be a couple other artists. Fior, where are you? Fior, where are you? There you are. Spotlight. Fior is another amazing artist um, who, it blows my mind every time I see your work. Um, And so anyway, there are going to be two other um, brothers and sisters with us that they're going to display their artwork as well. So we invite you out. It's going to be a nice evening next Saturday evening from 6 to 8. We'll have some light hors d'oeuvres. We'll have some music playing. And we'll each be sort of like at a station with our artwork there. And we'd love to connect with you and share with you our ministry. Um, All artwork will be available um, and on sale. So we definitely encourage you to come out for that. So Gary, right? See, I got points. I told him I might forget, but all right. So this morning, like I said, I'm excited to be here because I have such a great love for God's word and I'm, I'm excited to bring it um, to you. And I want to say thank you just to our leadership and to our pastors and all those who have been such an encouragement to me and my ministry. And this is an amazing opportunity to even thank um, all of my brothers and sisters, even some of in, you in here I may not know by name necessarily but I want to thank you for your encouragement I want to thank you for always being a blessing to us and me and my husband and our family hope that we have been a blessing to you Um, and I want to thank you even even on Facebook social media I want to thank everybody who always gives an encouraging word to us Um, I want to thank you for staying positive on social media because it's really hard nowadays but thank you for that. Um, So this morning I'm going to talk to you about this, and I don't know if you all can see this. (laughs) But these, as women know, mothers, mothers with daughters. Raise your hands, mothers. Mothers with daughters? Okay, mothers with daughters. You are all gonna understand this in its entirety. But see, these, along with socks, go into a black hole in our homes, never to be found again. And when our daughters are getting ready for church in the morning, and they're saying, mommy, where's my hair tie? Where's my hair tie? I don't know, I just bought you a new pack. My girls are infamous for this. Mariah, I'm sorry, but you are the worst. Um, they, and and they and I buy myself some. I have my own little stash of these little hair ties, and they always get lost, right? Like if you have, do- it's just, I don't know, whatever. It's like socks, like the black hole. So I was, uh, in preparing for this, I was looking through some old notes that I had on my phone, you know, I put in my dreams, my very deep visions from God, and my very deep shopping lists for supermarket food on on my phone. So I was looking through this list, and of course I had these on my list to go make sure that I pick up. And it sort of just stuck out to me, a hair tie. I was like, okay, hair tie, okay. And I didn't really understand why it was sticking out to me until, because God knows that I love like play on words. And so yeah, that's it, that's what he gave me. He said air ties air ties. And I was thinking about what an air is, and let's sort of break that down for a second. An air. Hold on one second. All right. An air. Hold on. I want to be exact and sort of can't find my definition. All right. So an air is very an air I'm going to be talking about birthright, a birthright and an heir as well. And An heir is somebody who inherits something after somebody passes away, very much like a prince and a king, right? So once the king passes, the prince is the heir to the throne, and he or or if it's a girl, she will become ruler, and and, and then all that is the king's becomes hers or his, amen? So as it is, right, in, in the word of God, I mean, we are heirs, to the kingdom of God. And I don't know if you knew that or not, but if you didn't know that today, we are a royal priesthood. We are a chosen generation. You and I both, no matter what we walk through, this is what we are. And we have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. And because we are heirs to the promises and to the kingdom of God, it's very much like this hair tie. See, a hair tie binds, it fastens, and secures well the hair now being in this definition it secures the hair into place just like now i wrote down here like an heir that promise it our heir our promise does the same it secures and it fastens us into place to the promises of god now i don't know this morning if you Realize what you are exactly an heir to, but I wanna speak some things over you. I wanna remind you of some things this morning. Today, tomorrow, and forever, you are an heir to the promise of God. You, an, you are an heir to salvation. You are an heir to the peace of God, because that is yours. You're an heir to the power that he gives us through the spirit of the living God. You are an heir to healing. You deserve that, that is yours, you should own that. You're an heir to hope. You know, it's amazing with all the things that we hear on the news, and you know, I don't watch the news, which is interesting. I don't watch the news, yet I know everything that's going on in the news, because everybody on social media posts what's on the news. So as far as, away as I tried to stay from it. It's still right in my face. And I find myself at times being very deeply troubled. And I don't know about any of you in here, but there are some really graphic videos that people post and I really hope that you're not one of them. (laughs) But there was this one and I couldn't even watch it because I didn't know what it was and you know, curiosity killed the cat, like I really shouldn't have watched it, but I did and it was like, it was bad and it was of a person unfortunately horribly abusing a child and it it just did something to me and and you know it's just darkness that that fills the world and the earth you know we hear about these wars i mean this war that's going on in israel hits very 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 close to home my family a part of my family lives in tel aviv a part of my family lives in jerusalem A part of my family lives more north in what's called a kibbutz, and so they're not so much as affected, but my family that's down in Tel Aviv and my family that's down in Jerusalem, they have children. Thankfully, they have bomb shelters. Thankfully, they are safe, but I ask on a personal note if you could just keep them in prayer, because I can't imagine what it's like to live in a war-torn country and to have to hide your babies or think about where the bomb shelter is or wait for a siren to go off. I can't imagine. And so sometimes I'm really troubled. And sometimes I cry. Because, look, I mean, God gave us a heart for people, to love people. When you see people hurting, and when you see the world in a desperate state, you cry out to God. I mean, some of you may think, well, how can I affect change in this world? You know, it's just little, you know, itty bitty me. What can I do? But your prayers. Your prayers affect, your prayers are a great force in the earth, believe me. So there is a lot of time that, that I feel hopeless because of the state of this world. But then I remember that I am and you are an heir to hope. And that can never be stripped from us. As long as our soul is anchored in hope, anchored in the Lord, anchored in the word, in the promises of God, hope is ours. It belongs to you and it belongs to me. You are also an heir to freedom. I know many of you, like me, have come from addiction. And, you know, I'm not necessarily talking about the kind of like substance abuse. I'm not necessarily talking about that. But I know you, maybe like me, have struggled with maybe some emotional sort of addiction. Maybe a serious codependency on people that may hurt you. Maybe you have the sort of insecurity and doubt in yourself that binds you so deep that you don't feel that you're good enough to get up on a platform and speak the word of God. Or maybe you don't feel like you're good enough and that that emotional bondage is so strong on the inside of you that you don't even feel like you can give your children an encouragement. Maybe you've condemned yourself so deep and so great that you have canceled the plans of God in your own life. But I'm telling you today that you are an heir to freedom because to whom the sun sets free is free indeed. You are free as an heir to the kingdom of almighty God. You are free to love, you are free to be a blessing. You are free to minister and to lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. You are free to go to your brother or your sister and pray for them. You are free to prophesy. You are free to tell your leaders that they are a blessing to you and they will receive it. You are free. See, it's, it's not so much. That things, you know, because a lot of us in here, because I see a lot of familiar faces, a lot of us are churchified. A lot of us, you know, have stepped away from the bondages of the world, technically speaking. And now we come into church and there's a different sort of bondage that the enemy tries to bind us to. And unfortunately, because in church a culture is created, and oftentimes you just sort of go with the culture, unknowingly, subconsciously. You don't even realize that you're in bondage until you're in a position to be free, and you just don't know how to be free. You just don't know how. So you're offered an opportunity and everything in you trembles and you say, no, 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 I can't. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. But why can't you? But why? I'll never forget the first time Pastor George asked me to come up here and paint during his service. I was like, oh no, I can't I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. I can't. But you know what? I realized, wait a second, I can. I can, I'm gonna turn the canvas the other way. I told him, I'm like, not everybody's gonna watch this. But I was afraid and I did it anyway, because I realized I was free. I'm free to be everything that God called me to be, no matter how insecure I feel. No matter how much I doubt myself, I'm not going to stay in that bondage. And believe me, I go through it all the time. I even dare say I might even be one of the most insecure people that I know. I may just hide it better than every other person. But one thing I will tell you is that I will not let insecurity defeat me. I will not. I will not. If I have to do it trembling, if I have to do it with my stomach knotted, if I have to do it with my heart beating out of my chest, if I have to do it while my lip is quivering, if I have to do it while all the doubts run through my mind, I'm still gonna do it. As long as God provides the opportunity and as long as I have breath in my lungs and I wake up in the morning, then I will do it, because I'm free. See, before my days with Jesus, I was not free and I could not freely do anything really because I was in bondage to sin and my sin told me that I had to live in the ties that kept me bound but now that I'm free I can so you are an heir to freedom you are an heir to victory you are an heir to righteousness now not righteousness and we talk about this a lot and this is something that's very important now not the kind of righteousness that We earn not the kind of righteousness that we can pat ourselves on the back for, but because of the blood of Jesus and because of the sacrifice of the son of the living God, we can be in right standing with Jesus, not because of our good works, I will say it again, because everybody wants to join a charity and everybody wants to work with the needy, which is okay. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. I'm, you know, understand what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that we do not need those things to get to heaven, to be in right standing with God. No, 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 no. No, no, no. The word says that it is by grace through faith that salvation has come into our lives. So let's be very clear it is by grace through faith. That salvation enters into who we are all we are asked to do in the beginning is to believe yes we are also called to work out our salvation with fear and trembling and we ought to be very careful how we treat one another and those people in the world and those who are in need because that is of great value to God but it is by grace through faith that we are saved because of the blood of Jesus So funny, my daughter, she was sitting there before and she had a uh, a Gatorade in her hand. I told you, I woke up this morning um, listening about the blood, right? And she turns to me, and you know, it was fruit punch Gatorade, so she turns to me and she says, just sort of out of the blue, just sort of random things that seven-year-olds say, and she's like, Mom, I drank the blood. I drank the blood. And she like shows me her tongue. I know she's so embarrassed that I'm telling this right now but she shows me her tongue and I see the red on it and it just, I, you know, I was like, oh, you're so silly, you know, but I was like, no, 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 wait a second. She's absolutely right. Because I've communed with Almighty God, because I've taken of that blood, and some of you may, that might creep you out, the idea of drinking blood, but because in the spiritual sense, I've taken drink of the blood of Jesus. I am right before God. I am right, you are right before God. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. You're an heir to righteousness, you're an heir to mercy. That's so good, I could stay there forever. But you are an heir to mercy. Gosh, just know how much God loves you today. Know how mercy has said no. I don't know if you all know that song, it's an old C.C. Winan song. Mercy said no, it chokes me all the time right here, it just gets me right there. Mercy said no. Know that mercy has said no to so many things that should have taken you out and should have destroyed you. Mercy said no. You are an heir to grace. You are an heir to the grace of God. God will keep you. His favor will be upon you. He will chase you down with blessings and goodness. And he will continue to draw you with his loving kindness and fill you with the wisdom from above, which is first peaceable and pure. And God will continue to do that for you. I sort of have saved the best for last. You are an heir to eternal life. I say this and I will say it until Jesus comes. But I think the most prophetic word that I could ever give you, the most powerful you know, story to tell of the future, to tell you today is that Jesus is coming back. I know full well that part of my ministry is preparing people for that day. I am keenly aware of that. I am keenly aware of the fact that there is an eternity on the other side of this world. And every time I look up in the clouds, every time, every time there's a beautiful sunset, every time it rains, every time there's some beautiful formation of clouds, every time I'm with my kids and we're figuring out what those silly marshmallows look like in the sky, I'm reminded that there is an eternity on the other side of this world. And sometimes, and I don't know if you've ever done this, but you ever lay out in a field? When I was little, I used to go to camp, so I used to be surrounded just by open land. And I remember laying out on the fields and looking up at the stars in the sky, and I remember sort of feeling like vertigo, like, oh my gosh, sort of scared. I, was, I don't know if that's ever happened to anybody in here, but it was like a scary feeling. It was like I was just looking up at this enormous earth, and there was this huge sky with all the stars in it. And that used to scare me, I don't know. But now that I'm in Christ and I'm laying, let's say we're at a picnic and I'm laying down on a blanket and I'm looking up, I'm reminded that on the other side, there is an eternity that Christ died for so that I could be with him forever and ever and ever. An eternity where there's no more turmoil and where there is no more weeping, and where there is no more sadness, and where there is joy unspeakable, and a world where I will be face to face in the loving arms of my Savior for all of eternity. And I don't know what that idea does for you, but I know what it does for me. It makes me want him more and more and more. And it makes my soul cry out. I'm not talking about my spirit because it's one thing for your spirit to cry out. It's a whole other thing when your soul and your flesh cry out for the coming of the risen Lord. It's a whole other thing when your flesh grabs a hold of the revelation of a living God who's going to crack the sky and return into the earth. It's a whole other thing when your flesh and your mind and your soul say, yes, God, I want to be with you. And the same way I feel your presence, I can't wait to be surrounded by it for all eternity. Don't get me wrong. I love my family. I love them. And some people would see that as me sort of declaring a separation of sorts, but I'm not declaring any kind of separation because I know the blood is over my household and I know the blood is over my family. And because of that reason, I will be in eternity with my family. So I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid because if my flesh can grab hold of the idea of eternity on the other side of this world, then I know that Christ himself has touched me so intimately and so deeply and so powerfully that I can say it to you. So we are an heir to eternal life. There's a really sad story in the Bible. There's a really sad story of these twins named Jacob and Esau and i'm going to read you a little bit about this story in genesis 25. if you don't know the story of jacob and esau they are the sons of isaac who was the son of abraham isaac was the promised son of abraham abraham waited 25 years for this promise to come to pass he was a hundred about a hundred years old when isaac was born Rebekah, his wife was not able to conceive and so he prayed for Rebecca, and she got pregnant with twins. And the first one born was Esau, and the second born born was Jacob. Now oftentimes we hear these great stories about Jacob, which they are amazing stories, don't get me wrong, but I wanna talk to you about Esau today. The not so great story. Because I want you to understand that you cannot take this being an heir lightly that you should not take this lightly. Because unfortunately, Esau took it lightly. He had the birthright. See, when, when God appeared before Moses, I believe that God's intention was to say, I am the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But because Esau took the birthright lightly, God appeared before Moses and said, I am the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because Jacob grasped the value of the birthright. And he understood the weight of God's glory in that. So in Genesis 25, it says, when Jacob had cooked stew, Esau came in from the field and he was famished. See, Jacob was the quiet one. Esau was the hunter. So it says, and Esau said to Jacob, please let me have a swallow of that red stuff there, for I am famished. Therefore, his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, first, sell me your birthright. Esau said, Behold, I am about to die. So what use of it is then to me? What, is, what use then is the birthright to me? And Jacob said, First swear to me. So he swore to him, and he sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and he drank, and he rose and he went on his way. Hmm. I think the saddest is the last portion of the scripture. It says, Thus Esau despised his birthright. I mean, now imagine just taking your inheritance. I mean, imagine you were given like, let's say your birthright was like $5 million. Let's just say, right? You're working you're you're doing your thing and you just get really weary and you just get really tired one day and you just come in to your sister or your brother and you're like, oh, what you got there? What you cooking over there? Like a Thanksgiving meal. Imagine, it was like a Thanksgiving meal. You're like, oh, man. Yeah, I'll give you my $5 million. Yeah, what? you know, it ain't much to me. I'm going to die anyway one day, so there you go. Imagine what that would do to your family that was going to give you that inheritance. Imagine what that would do. Your family that's worked so hard, your family that has, you know, slaved maybe for years and years and years for you to be able to have a good life for it to be thrown away. You know, in the kingdom of God, Jesus, God sent his son Jesus to die for us. There was a price that was paid and there was a sacrifice that was made so that we could have an inheritance and be an heir. And so Esau just carelessly gave it away. Oh, so sad. You know, I'm reminded I'm reminded very often of how I need not love the world. I'm reminded very often that we can be swayed by the winds of our culture. We can unconsciously begin to own the sort of visions that the world tells us that we should own. Like if we watch certain television shows and if we, you know, just, take on the sort of characteristics the way the world does, before you know it, you can't tell the difference. I don't know the difference between my coworkers and me in our lifestyle. I don't know, nothing different. Your salt begins to lose its flavor. Your fire begins to die out. And I'm only saying this because I myself, again, am guilty because I'll tell you I had this dream, right? So every time I get up here, this is just a given. I will tell you a dream that I had <laughs> because they just always come. So pray for them because they're amazing and they're real. And when God uses them in our lives, chains are broken and yokes are destroyed. So anyway, about two weeks ago, I had this dream. And in the dream, I was at a famous reality TV star's home. I won't tell you who they are, but I was there. And I had my cell phone on me. I had my cell phone. Now I'm very proud that I, forever along the iPhone 5 or iPhones have been out, we've pretty much owned them. And while everybody is cracking them and breaking them and you know, things are always happening to somebody's phone, right, falling in the toilet or whatever, you know, getting washed out. I, my phone has never broke, ever. God, I pray that after today it doesn't break. <laughs> cover my phone, Jesus, cover my phone. But anyway, my phone has never broke and I'm very proud of that, okay? I just want to let you know. So anyway, so in the dream, I have my phone on me and I'm in this reality stars home and the phone falls on the floor. And so she comes along and she's just walking la la la. She has these really big heels on. And she cracks my phone with her heel. And I'm like, oh, my phone, my phone! But in her mind, it's not a big deal because she's this rich reality TV star, so what does she care? She's like, ah, just get another one. And I'm sitting there like, yeah, easy for you to say. You know, you snap your fingers, you have whatever you want right in front of you. That's not how it works in my life. So I was upset, and I was like, oh man. And it was weird because even though it was cracked, I could see like the insides I could see the inside of the phone, and I could see that, you know, if you would open up a phone, you would see sort of all the mechanics on the inside, all the wires or whatever's in there. Well, you techie people just love my lingo right now, I know. But you would see the inner workings of the phone. But when, I, when it cracked, it sort of looked empty. And I was like, "Oh, okay. And I woke up. And I heard the Lord begin to speak to me. And he said, do not let the culture of this world corrupt the calling on your life. That phone was my calling. That phone was my calling. That reality reality TV star represented the culture and almost like the quicksand of this world. And God was warning me and telling me if you're not very careful You, too, can become cracked and empty and void. And it put a fear of God in me, I'm telling you. Because, you know, you don't really notice that you're becoming empty and void until the Spirit of God illuminates that to you, and you do a self-check, and you're like, oh, boy. Okay. It's not as pretty as I thought it was. I thought I was okay. And I'm not talking, you know, I'm... Understand I am a full believer in mercy and grace. I did not condemn myself But I thanked God rather right because in every temptation God makes a way of escape in every temptation God makes a way of escape There is no temptation known to man that can overtake you as a child of God because in every temptation God makes a way of escape and so him revealing this to me in my dream Was him giving me my way of escape. Okay, now I have to check some things. I have to see where the mind frame of the world has sort of gotten a footing in me. And now I need to repent. And now I need to just make it right with me and Jesus. Because that's my love. That's my best friend. And I don't want to be separated in in me, in my flesh. I don't want to live so much in my flesh that I feel separated from God because God will never leave you and God will never forsake you. But we can certainly pull ourselves away when we give ourselves over into the appetite of the flesh, which is exactly what Esau did. He gave himself over into the appetite of his flesh. I'm reminded of 1 John two fifteen. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. The world is passing away and also its lust. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Falling away from Christ is the fruit of preferring the delights of the flesh to the blessing of God and the heavenly inheritance as Esau did. Man's sinful disposition is to desire the blessing of God, yet to despise the means whereby the blessing is to be gained. We all want to partake in the blessings of a living God of our beautiful Savior. But that means there's going to be a sacrifice. That means that we're going to have to lay down a few things. That means that we are not to be corrupted or commit spiritual adultery. Spiritual adultery is a heavy thing, and that's something that in and of itself is a whole other kind of message. But that's real in the kingdom of God. God is our husband, he is our creator, he is our maker. And anytime time we give ourselves away into the culture of the world, we are committing spiritual adultery. We are cheating on our first love. And you know what, we're cheating ourselves. Any time that we hide behind social media, or any we try to be down with everybody, try to go to a rooftop party, try to go to some club, and I'm just saying, any time we try to be like everybody else, we are committing spiritual adultery. I take that from me first. Because one act, just like in an adulterous affair, one, one moment, one moment can destroy your entire family. One moment of carelessness, one moment like Esau or giving yourself over to, to the appetite of your flesh can destroy everything that you've worked so hard for. So I encourage you today to take very serious your inheritance. You know, I'm going to close with this, and I guess if the worship team can come up. I said before that God makes a way of escape. God makes a way of escape. And I heard the Lord tell me as I was preparing, and I say this with all due respect, but there are some of you who are not taking responsibility over some things in your life and in your walk with God. Some of you may not see a way out. Some of you may feel bound by the appetite of your flesh. But I want you to know today that that's okay. Because God never required for you to pull yourself out of your own bondage, because the last time that I read the Bible, it told me that the flesh is weak but that the Spirit is willing. God doesn't expect you in your weakness to become strong, because that's not what the Word says. He says, in your weakness, I am made strong. The Word says, therefore, humble yourselves before God. I'll say that again, therefore, humble yourselves before God that you might be exalted that you might and people see that as like a puffed up scripture sometimes right churchianity could be like oh you just want to like you know be in front of people that's why you want to be exalted no because when you're in a low place you need somebody to bring you up and god's promise is that if you humble yourself in the sight of the lord he will exalt you, he will pull you up, he will take everything that's meant against you for evil and he will turn it around for good. So I encourage you this morning that if you find yourself in any way, shape or form committing spiritual adultery, maybe you're not taking your birthright seriously Maybe you're giving yourselves over into the appetite of your flesh. Maybe you're forgetting that just like this hair tie, that the heir, that as an heir, the promises of God bind you to the kingdom. Maybe you've lost sight of that this morning, but you are an heir to the kingdom. I want you to stand for a moment. And I'm gonna declare to you who you are one more time and I want you to lift your hands up to the Lord and I want you to receive this word like you've never received a word before in your life I want you to open your heart and open your mind and lay aside every doubt and every worry and every sin that easily besets you lay aside everything that clouds your thinking and as you lift your hands I declare this over you you are an heir to the promises of God you are an heir to salvation you are an heir to the peace of the living God you are an heir to the power he gives you through the Holy Spirit you are an heir to the healing power of Jesus Christ in the earth you are an heir to the hope that we find in God. You are an heir to freedom. You're an heir to victory. It is yours. You are an heir to righteousness. You are an heir to mercy. You are an heir to grace, and you are an heir of everlasting life in Christ Jesus. If there is any part of you today that has lost sight of who you are as an heir of the Most High God, I want to pray with you. I want you to come to the front. I want you to come to the front. And I believe that a restoration is going to happen of the identity of who you are as a child of God, as an heir to the kingdom. And if you're feeling a little uncomfortable from coming to the front, that's okay. Because after the service, we're going to have healing ministry in this room on the side. And if you feel you need a little bit more privacy that's okay but I want you to know today that the risen King has met us in this place and that every yoke is destroyed and that every burden is removed and that the plans of Satan are null and void and they cannot replace the power of the blood of Jesus Christ there is no temptation that has been set before you that God has not given you the ability to overcome so as you walk out of these doors today walk up walk out with your head held high because you are an heir to the promises of God